Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the land of capsule hotels. I'm Paul Bresson. And I'm Jason Neeling. And today we're talking about hotels. Not just capsule hotels, but hotels in general. We're going to cover all your different options, places to stay when you're in Japan. I'm thinking it makes sense to sort them from cheapest to most expensive. That's what I was thinking too. All right, so let's start with... If you want to spend the absolute minimum, where do you want to stay, Paul? I would recommend a manga cafe. That is pretty cheap. Not the most comfortable lodging, but it's going to be cheap, that's for sure. So Japan has a lot of these manga cafes, internet cafes. They call them different things. But basically the idea is you rent, by the hour, a little room. It's kind of a cubicle. It's more like a booth or sure. cubicle. Yeah, good yeah. way to describe cubicle. it. It's got four walls. One of them is going to have a screen that you can pull closed or maybe just a curtain, something like that. There are different options for how the setup is going to be in this yeah. cubicle. You can have an office chair or reclining chair or just a tatami mat floor. Sometimes they'll just have like a cushioned mat on the floor that you can, it's just big enough for you to get a nap on. Or even a small sofa sometimes. So you have different options. Probably the floor mat is going to be most comfortable if you're going to be sleeping there. Yeah. And that's not uncommon for people to sleep there. Like you might think that most people go to an internet cafe to use the internet. But actually, I read, I think, like 60% of these internet cafes are used overnight, like every night. Wow. Yeah, I heard it's kind of becoming a refuge for if you're temporarily homeless mm -hmm. or something like that. You can crash there for a while while you're trying to find a permanent residence. Yeah. So in addition to your chair or floor mat or whatever in your cubicle, what, what else do you have in there? You're going to have a computer. And a desk. A manga cafe is basically like an internet cafe, except they have an extensive library of manga mm -hmm. that you can read, which is all going to be in Japanese. But then they add the extra thing like uh, where you can rent a room for the night. Standard internet cafe in another country probably couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. They have shower facilities that you can usually rent 30 minutes for the hot shower. Um, it they might not sell. even be, uh, you might not have to pay for the shower. A lot of times there's like free drinks. The manga, obviously, you can just grab. You don't need to pay extra for that. A lot of you, times everything is included in the price. You're going to get a snacks. computer with internet. You're going to get soft drinks or coffee, uh, maybe a shower. Then they sell snacks or ramen noodles, stuff like that, usually at the main desk. You can rent consoles sometimes, like a console game. Some of them even have massages you can get while you're there. All sorts of stuff. Nice. They're very competitive, coming up with all, all kinds of new ideas, it seems. Yeah, I mean, when they realized that people were staying there for extended periods, they thought, well, we got to make it comfortable for these people, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I stayed at a manga slash internet cafe because I wanted to go to Tsukiji Market really early in the morning to see the tuna auction. So I found this one really close to Tsukiji. It was, it was a cool experience. I wouldn't want to stay there long term, especially because I wasn't able to get one of the rooms with the floor mat. But it was comfortable enough for a few hours. 
Yeah, if you've got lots of luggage, you know, you might want to put that in a locker somewhere because you're not going to have a lot of space. Yeah. You don't generally want to stay there two days. You'd have to pay for all the time that you're gone too if you wanted to like leave your luggage there. And even then it's not going to be locked up. So it's really more of a thing you want to do for one night probably and be off early in the morning. We should mention, since we brought up that it's probably your cheapest option, um, what I saw is usually for eight hours, you're looking at like 15 to $25. Yep, I would say that's pretty accurate. I think I paid between 15 and 20 for a night. Yeah, so really not bad for a night. Yeah. Best price you're probably going to get. Yeah, could be even less. It depends on how long you want to sleep too because it's by the hour. Right. They'll have like a price per hour and then a lot of times they'll have packages. Like you can get eight hours for a flat rate of whatever. And uh, it depends where you are too. If you're in Tokyo, in Akihabara, you might be paying more than if you're in a smaller city, uh, a little farther out from the main shopping districts and stuff. They are most common near train stations. They're in almost every major city, probably every major city. Mm -hmm. I think there's over 3,000 of them in Japan now. That's a lot. Yeah, so quite a few. Um, They're not always easy to find. They might be on like the sixth floor of a building and a lot of them uh, don't have signs in English. Yep, that's um, true. So you're going to have to look up and kind of know exactly where you're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the one that I stayed at, there was like a membership card sort of thing, which obviously I didn't have. So Yeah, you might have to sign up to become a member for a couple hundred yen or something, and then you can book your time there. Yeah, and that was interesting because uh, the guy helping me didn't speak any English, so I had to use my not-so-great Japanese. <laughs> yeah. But uh, eventually I was able to sign up. He had to call his boss and make sure it was okay for somebody to sign up without a Japanese address because he had to fill out this form with all your info. (laughs) But we got through it eventually. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it was a decently comfortable experience. I I got a room with a recliner, sat in my recliner, leaned back, brought my sleeping mask and uh, earplugs. Yeah. We were playing nice, chill piano music. Yeah, it could be a little tough to sleep in a recliner, but if you get one of the rooms on the floor. Although I did see a warning. If you are tall, you might have a little difficulty in some of the rooms. Like if you're laying down on the floor? Yeah, yeah. It could be a tight squeeze for uh, some people. Yeah, might not be able to stretch out all the way. Yeah. Also, smoking is allowed in some of them. So if that's an issue for you, it's something to keep in mind. Yeah, I don't think that was a thing in the one I was in. I didn't notice any smoke smell or anything. And usually people are pretty good about being quiet. Um, yeah, for sure. But there's still going to be some noise Sure. in a shared space. Like Probably that. not a ton in the middle of the night. Hopefully not. So let's talk about your next cheapest option. What's going to be the next cheapest, Paul? I would have to say hostels. Yeah, so give me a range. What, what's that going to cost you for hostel? Uh, I saw about 20 to $45 a night per person. That's usually going to be shared rooms, often bunk beds, shared bathrooms, and a shared common room. Mm-hmm. Often breakfast might be provided. Yep. Usually you can pay a little bit more for a private room where you still have to use the shared bathroom. So that might be towards the upper end of that, the 45 or so. Yeah. But yeah, the $20, that's going to get you a shared dorm room. Like you're probably going to be in a bunk bed yeah. in a room with a bunch of other people. It's going to be similar to hostels around the world. It's a pretty familiar concept. Yep. 
pretty similar. Uh, limited amenities. You might need to rent a towel, rent a lock for your locker, unless you bring your own. Save a little bit more money that way. There might also be a curfew or a lockout time. Yeah. Like they're not going to have a person manning the desk 24 hours a day. There might not be shampoo, conditioner, soap, that kind of stuff. You might have to bring your own or maybe you could purchase it at the desk. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason, have you stayed at a hostel in Japan? Um, I haven't stayed in like a shared dormitory sort of thing. I've stayed at a hotel that was also a hostel. Like there are some hostel slash hotels where they have private rooms with private bathrooms, but they also have like a hostel area with shared bathrooms, shared rooms. Yeah, my first night in Japan, the first time I went, we stayed in a hostel, but it was two of us and we got our own room. It was super small. It just fit the two beds on the floor, and that was it. And then we had a shared bathroom, little reception area. Hmm. But we got in pretty late that day from our flight. We just crashed and took off early the next morning. But I think we got it for like 60 bucks for the two of us for that small room. So Not bad. Not bad, but you know that was 10, 11 years ago too. Yeah. So you were sleeping on futons on the floor? Yep. Yep. So the futons were in the corner. You know, we pulled them out when we were tired, which is right away. I was super jet lagged that time. Mm. I crashed out pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, hostels, pretty standard. I don't know if there's much else to cover. Yeah. I think we covered it. Well, let's talk about something uniquely Japanese then capsule hotels. Yeah. Okay. Capsule hotels are pretty cool. Now, I'm going to start by talking about architecture, and then I'm going to work my way back to capsule hotels. I want to talk about this building in Tokyo called the Nakagin Capsule Tower. Have you seen this thing? I've seen pictures. Oh, it looks so cool. There's this tower in Tokyo. It basically looks like a bunch of boxes stacked up on top of each other, and each of these boxes has like a round porthole-style window looking out of it. Like, it's it's super sci-fi looking, you know, it looks futuristic. And this tower was designed by a guy named Kisho Kurokawa. He's a famous architect. He built this tower based on an ideology that he had come up with. There was kind of an architectural movement called metabolism. So this idea, they wanted to marry architectural ideas with ideas of biological processes, right? Okay. So the idea behind this capsule tower was they would have these prefabricated boxes that they could stack up and this building could grow like an organism. Like if they needed to put more people in there, they just pile on more boxes, you know? Yeah. Cool idea, in my opinion. And because these boxes were prefabricated, they were able to build this tower in only 30 days in 1972. Wow. Pretty cool, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Seven years later, the first Capsule Hotel opened in 1979. It was called Capsule in Osaka. And that was designed by the same guy, Kurokawa, based on the same, the same metabolism idea, where an organic way to kind of house as many people as, as necessary. Yeah. And they were originally marketed towards businessmen mm-hmm. who had maybe missed the last train because you worked so late or if you were out drinking with your work buddies mm-hmm. and you could just crash somewhere near the train station. You just needed uh, somewhere to sleep, get up in the morning, head back to work. 
Yep. And that's where the capsule hotels came from. Yeah, a lot cheaper than taking a taxi home. So these days, many of them uh, do have facilities for women as well, too. Mm-hmm. But there and are still men-only capsule hotels. Yes, there are. So you might want to check on that if you are a woman planning to stay at a capsule hotel. Mm-hmm. If you are a woman, don't worry. They have separate sections or floors for women. So what is a capsule hotel, Jason? Oh, we didn't say exactly what it is. No, we didn't get there yet. Okay, so a capsule hotel. This is uh, one of the types of hotels where you're going to have to take your shoes off as soon as you get in there because they're going to give you slippers where you can go all over the place. So for the area where you're going to sleep, there's going to be a row of capsules, which are basically little tubes in the wall. And they're stacked up on top of each other, usually too high. You can slide into the one on the bottom, or you can go up a couple steps, slide into the one on top, and you're going to have this little tube. And there's going to be some... it's about three feet by seven feet by three feet high. Sure. Just about enough room to fit a Japanese-style futon. You're yeah. not going to be able to stand up inside of it. It's just there yep. to be slept in. You'll be able to sit up, though. Yeah. They put a bunch of stuff in there to try to make you comfy. So you got your your TV, your radio slash alarm clock. You know, modern capsule hotels even have an alarm clock that wakes you up with light instead of sound so you don't disturb your neighbors. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Well, be careful with your sleeping mask on then. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, a lot of them are air-conditioned. The one I stayed in, I don't think it was air-conditioned. Or maybe I missed that button or something, but it was a little stuffy. Yeah. There's going to be a bath, mm-hmm. bath and shower facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be small lockers that you can put bags or luggage in. But if you have a lot of luggage, it might not fit. Yep. You might have to drop it off somewhere else before you come. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a uh, shared room, usually with a TV, some couches, whatnot, where people can hang out. Vending machines? Of course. They might sell beer in those vending machines, too. That'd be relaxing. Yeah. A lot of times, in addition to the showers, there might be an open bath. It's kind of a Japanese thing, like a bathhouse. Yeah, yeah, usually nice bath facilities. Mm -hmm. And then as far as price range? So similar to hostels, I'd say this is going to be around 20 to 50 bucks a night. Yep, again, depending where you are. Mm -hmm. Generally, you can't keep luggage overnight because, again, it was designed for people that are just crashing the one night. So you're usually going to have to take everything with you uh, when you leave. You said you can't keep luggage overnight. Ah, you can't keep luggage over day. There you go. Maybe is the better way to say that. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the hotel, but you might need to check out each morning and then check in again each night. Or they might be able to hold on to your luggage behind the desk for you. Again, it's more of a thing I would recommend if you're traveling and it's a one-night thing. Mm-hmm. Might not be the best for a week-long stay. Agreed. So let's say you don't want to stay in a capsule hotel or a hostel or an internet cafe. You want some more room to yourself. You want somewhere you can relax, nobody else around, quiet, but you don't want to spend a ton of money. Where are you going to stay? I'm going to recommend a business hotel. What's that? that? That is kind of like a bare-bones, Western-style hotel. You're going to get your own room. You're going to have a, probably a twin bed. Might have a double Double bed, bed, maybe, yeah. 
you're going to have your own bathroom with a shower, toilet, sink. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be like 50 to to $100 a night. There's also rooms available with two beds, you know, maybe 20 bucks more a night or something mm-hmm. to get the extra bed in there. Yep. There's um, usually gonna, a TV and a, a mini fridge. Like and kinda, a small table. Yeah, just the bare necessities. It's not fancy, but it's got everything you need. You got room for your luggage. You got places you can hang your clothes. And you can sleep and shower and do everything you need. Yep. I've stayed in a few that were pretty nice, and I was, I was always happy with them. Yeah, I've never been disappointed by a business hotel. As long as you're not expecting a ton of space, you don't want to do jumping jacks and push-ups <laughs> right. in your hotel room, you'll probably be fine. A lot of them, especially that cater to foreign tourists, are going to have a washer and dryer available for you somewhere, too. Sometimes. So that's a nice little thing that uh, some of them can have, too. Yeah, definitely worth checking on if you're planning on doing some laundry. Yep. Okay, so let's say I don't care what I spend. I just want to be in a really comfy, Western-style, classy hotel. What do you got for me, Paul? You're going to have to go for a luxury hotel then. Okay. There's quite a few, a lot of them with great locations, right, and busy spots of Tokyo. Cool. Um, It's definitely going to be more expensive, you know, 200-plus a night per room. Yeah, it's pretty wide range. I mean, you can spend as much as you want. You could stay at the Park Hyatt for... What is that, like uh, 1500 bucks a night or something, <laughs> depending on the suite that you get? But. Yeah. You're going to get a nice room. There's going to be a nice lounge and bar. There might be a pool on the roof. There might be a spa attached. It's just a luxury hotel like you could find in any major American city. Yeah. I think five-star hotel. They've got them in Japan, too. Yeah. They got Hilton's and Hyatt's and all the, all the big uh, hotel chains. So if it's in your budget, those are available for you as well. Sure. For most people, I'd say that's probably not necessary because, I mean, you're not going to be spending that much time in your hotel to take advantage of all the amenities anyway. Probably not. Yeah. But if money is no object, go for it. So where would you go if you wanted a traditionally Japanese experience? Well, there are a few options. First one, kind of the more common one, I guess you could say, is something called the Ryokan. Now, this is a Japanese-style hotel. So we're talking tatami mats, sliding wooden doors with shoji paper on them. And this style of hotel is very old. What I read was they've been around since around the 8th century AD. Wow. That was a long time ago. The oldest hotel in the world is in Japan. It's a place called Nishiyama Onsen Keiunkan that was created in 705. Not 1705, 705. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. It's been running continuously since then, apparently. you can go stay there today. Yep. That's awesome. It is awesome. So, like I mentioned, tatami mats, sliding doors, a lot of them have something called an onsen. We're going to do a whole episode on onsen eventually, but what's an onsen, Paul? Uh, It is a traditional Japanese bath, um, sometimes outside. It's like a hot spring bath. Yes, they're specifically sourced by hot springs. Fed by a hot spring. Yeah. Usually in a ryokan, you'll get a yukata to wear, which is kind of a summer kimono, cotton, lightweight. Yeah, like a light kimono. Yep. The tables are going to be low. You're going to be sitting on the floor. 
You're going to be sleeping on a futon on the floor. Mm -hmm. Usually, dinner and breakfast are both going to be included. They serve a style of meal called kaiseki. What do you know about kaiseki? It is fancy Japanese food. Yeah, very traditional. Uh, There are going to be multiple courses, like several courses usually. Yes. A lot of care is taken in kaiseki to arrange the food in an aesthetically pleasing way. So every course that gets brought out, you're going to be like, oh, this is a work of art. They got all these little bowls of different sizes and colors arranged in a certain way. I mean, this meal is not just a meal. It's an experience. Yes. The whole stay is an experience. You get taken care of. Usually when you're checking in, you'll be greeted by someone who's going to then take care of you your whole stay. Right. They'll point out to you where the baths are when they're showing you your room, where and when you're going to be eating. They'll be the ones serving you your breakfast and your dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you really get taken care of quite well. So when you, when you first see your room, there's going to be a little table in the middle on the floor. There are going to be little floor chairs for you to sit on. You can hang out there for a while. And then usually you get to choose like what time you want dinner. You're going to go somewhere for dinner. And while you're gone, they're going to lay out the futons for you. So when you come back, everything's all set up for you to go to bed. You don't have to take care of anything. Don't lift a finger. It is a full service experience. For sure. Like you said, it's the whole thing is an experience. So this isn't the kind of hotel you want to stay at if you're just going to get back there at like 10 at night, go to sleep, get up and leave. You almost want to just spend the entire day at the RioCon. It's a place to relax, right? Yeah. You'd almost want to spend two or three days, I feel like. Yeah. So the reason these hotels have been around so long is, I mean, they were originally places for travelers to stop and rest their feet, spend a day or two recuperating before continuing on your journey. Yeah. You're going to get a bath. You're going to get a nice dinner. You're going to get breakfast to send you on your way in the morning. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times these types of hotels are at onsen towns. Like there's a hot spring that feeds the town. Yeah. And- They might be up in the mountains. The whole town's kind of like a vacation, onsen town. Yeah, like a a bunch of resorts. Yeah, so people head up there just to stay and relax for a few days or a weekend. The cost on that is going to be about 150 to 250 per person per day, but that does include the meals and the service and everything. Uh, These types of hotels can be hard to find in big cities, too, because most of the hotels in those types of places are more modern. Ryokan are more, like we said, they're traditional, so they're going to be in smaller towns, maybe, slightly more rural areas. The skiing towns, the onsen towns. Yeah. You can find them in cities. They're sometimes going to be a little bit different, though. You might not get the full meal service. You probably won't have a hot spring. We stayed in a ryokan in Tokyo, near Akihabara. They had a open-air bath on the roof, plus an indoor bath, and they served breakfast, kind of just a buffet, grab-what-you-want style. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of serving you dinner, what they did was they gave you a coupon for one free entree at their attached restaurant. So that was kind of your your meal thing. That's kind of like the city Ryokan. You can find places like that around. Yeah. I would kind of call that more of a hotel with Japanese traditional. It's kind of a traditional hotel. Yeah. Yeah. 
then there are other options if you want a traditional experience. Right. So there's something called a minshuku, which are sort of similar to ryokan. It's more of a bed and breakfast sort of situation. So Usually small family run. Right. Usually you'll only find them in like small towns that don't really have a lot of big hotels. So these are going to be a little cheaper than Ryokan, but usually a single room of a family house that you're renting. Yep. And there's probably going to be a shared bathroom. Uh, I actually stayed at one of these in a little village in the mountains called Shirakawago, and it was awesome. It was a little farmhouse basically from a couple hundred years ago. It's been passed down through the generations, and now I mean, these buildings are still family-owned, and they're renting them out to tourists to stay for a night. It was really cool. They gave us the kaiseki dinner and breakfast, like you could expect at a ryokan. A little bit less luxurious. I mean, they didn't have an onsen and all that kind of stuff, obviously. Yeah, your room might have a small TV in it or something, but mm-hmm. it's not going to be super well-stocked or anything, but... You get that family touch and the traditional experience at the same time. Yeah, you get to see what it might have been like to live in rural Japan 100 or 200 years ago. That's kind of a cool experience. I would highly recommend it. And uh, does this sound right? I saw for those maybe 50 to 100 a night per person. Yeah, could be a little more expensive, maybe 50 to 150, depending on... Being small establishments, they probably vary a bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Also, another option I came across was temple lodging. Yeah, so that's called shukubo. And these, I mean, not every temple is going to let you stay there, obviously. But these types of temples that offer lodging are often found in pilgrimage destinations. So like Nagano, Kyoto, Mount Mitake, Mount Koya is a big one. And these places were originally, I mean, there was lodging there for religious pilgrims, right? Right. So people would walk all over the country. They want to stop at these sacred places. So the temple would offer them lodging. Yeah, it's kind of a win-win. They get somewhere to sleep. The temple can make a few yen and keep going. Mm -hmm. So generally, I think you are going to be sleeping with other people in a large room is what I saw. Really? But that could be could be different, obviously, depending on the temple. Yeah, I think it really depends. I'm going to be visiting one in November, and that one, I got a private room. That sounds nice. Yeah. Often I hear meals are included. Yeah, and since they're at Buddhist temples, all the meals will be vegetarian. It's a Buddhist thing. Yep, yep. How much yeah. is this going to cost you? I saw about 60 to 100 a night. Yep, that's what I saw too. And um, it looks like they often invite you to either watch or participate in their activities as well. Mm -hmm. Prayers and meditation. So you kind of get a really cool Buddhist temple experience. Yeah, definitely. A lot of temples also have some beautiful Japanese gardens, if you're into that. Yeah, they might be located outside of the city a little bit or in a mountain. It's probably going to be a beautiful place. Mm -hmm. Sounds really nice. I might uh, have to look into that next time I swing by Japan. Yeah. Well, there's one other type of hotel I just wanted to mention. You might not want to stay there for an extended period of time, or you might, but there's a style of hotel in Japan called love hotels. What's a love hotel, Paul? That is a hotel, often with themed rooms, that you can rent out by the hour. Cool. What are they for? 
Well, a lot of people in Japan live with their parents until they get married. So I believe they originated as a place you can go to for some privacy. Mm-hmm. So the first love hotel opened in 1968 in Osaka. Everything in Osaka. They are the innovators in Osaka. Totally. That's where the capsule hotel came from too. I'm impressed. Osaka. Yeah. yeah. So the first one was called Hotel Love. <laughs> Pretty good name. So yeah, like you said, people lived with extended family and needed a private space. So that's why this became a thing. Um, in the 80s and 90s, pretty prosperous time in Japan, and they got super popular. Like that was kind of a standard date spot in that time period. Yeah. It's not somewhere where people often would stay overnight. You could rent a room for eight plus hours if you wanted to, mm-hmm. but it's not what they're there for. Yeah. These days, they're not as popular as they were in the 80s and 90s because they're more single people, less people kind of getting together, need a place to do certain things. Yeah. So a lot of them have been converted to standard hotels, but there are still plenty of love hotels if you're looking. Oh, yeah. I remember walking by a few. Yeah. You could tell one of them was like painted all pink with a bunch of hearts on the signs and stuff. Yeah, it might be obvious when you see it from the outside what it is. And a lot of times they're grouped together in certain parts of the city too. Yeah. A pretty wide range of prices, right, for those. I mean, there can be really luxurious ones. There can be cheaper ones. It depends on how long you want to stay, obviously. You're always going to get a shower and a bed, but you could get a lot more. You could not get a lot more. Yeah. Most of them have, well, like I said, themed rooms. They're going to have pictures of all these different types of rooms that you can choose from. There's usually a jacuzzi, a big TV, maybe a kitchen mini bar, king size bed. That's pretty important. Yep. And they're always going to be free condoms by the bed too. So might be a fun place to check out just for the experience, just to see what it's like. Yeah. Or I mean, maybe if you're a traveling couple and you just want a real uh, fun place to do your thing, set up there for a week. (laughs) (laughs) For a week. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, you certainly could. Yeah. I bet you'd be the only one staying there for a whole week. Perhaps. We got anything else or? I was thinking we could just talk a little bit about how to book (laughs) lodging. So my personal process, if you go on Google Maps, Google the area you plan on visiting, maybe kind of mark the sites you want to see, see maybe where they're kind of centered, what part of the city And then if you zero in on that part of the city in Google Maps and then just search for hotels, it'll show you all the hotels around there and daily prices. So at that point, I like to go around, look at the reviews, find something that is in your price range, got decent reviews, it's near where you want to be. And that's a good idea to search for the website for that hotel. Because a lot of times the hotel might offer cheaper prices than Google is giving you. Yeah, I also recommend book with the hotel's website. Some of them might not have an English booking website, in which case probably just want to go with a normal English booking website. But it's a good idea to check. You might be able to get a better price. You could usually find, uh, at least in all the bigger cities, hotels that cater to foreigners and have English bookings and all of that. Yeah. Uh, And for the traditional style hotels we were talking about, the Ryokan and also the Minshuku and Shukubo, the, uh, the bed and breakfast things and the temple lodging. Sometimes those can be included in booking websites like Expedia or Hotels.com or whatever. 
but sometimes you might need to look different places to book those. I actually had a little bit of trouble booking my, my stay at the Minshuku in Shirakawa Go because I was trying to book through a website called JapaneseGuestHouses.com, but they wouldn't let me book it because I was a solo traveler. They wouldn't let just one person book a thing. I guess they'd had problems before with people maybe not showing up or something. Oh, huh, interesting. Yeah, so I actually had to go through the town's tourist association. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, depending on where you're staying, it might be easier or harder to figure out that kind of stuff, but a little Googling will get you pretty far. Well, looks like that's the end of today's episode. You want to find us on the web? Maybe uh, maybe check out our Instagram at SJP Podcast. Got some pretty cool pictures up there, if I do say so myself. Oh, the likes are already blown up. <laughs> And uh, Paul, what do we got going on next week? So now you're in Japan, you're at your hotel, you need to get around and see all the cool places you want to see. So we're going to be talking about transportation in Japan on the next episode. Nice. That's a fun one. And transportation in Japan is super easy. Yeah. No reason to worry about getting around in Japan. They got so many options and we're going to cover all Trains, buses, ferries, cars. It's going to be a nice episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll, we'll see you next time.